Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to John, the 10th chapter, verses 22 through 30. The time came for the festival of dedication in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple, walking in the covered porch named for Solomon. The Jewish opposition circled around him and said, and asked, How long will you test our patience? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, but you don't believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't believe, because you don't belong to my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never die and no one will snatch them from my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them from my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I found a story this week about a couple that retired to a small Arizona ranch and acquired a few sheep. At lambing time, it was necessary to bring two newborns into the house for care and bottle feeding. As the lambs grew, they began to follow the rancher's wife around the farm. She was telling a friend about this strange development. What did you name them? The friend asked her. Goodness and mercy, she replied with a sigh. <coughs> She was referring, of course, to a line in everyone's favorite psalm, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The lessons for today deal with sheep or shepherds. It's probably one of the most familiar images that we have in Scripture. God is our shepherd, and we are God's sheep. Sheep were important to the agricultural lives of the ancient Hebrews, which is probably why sheep are mentioned in the Bible more than any other animal, over 500 times. We are referred to as Jesus' flock, and we, we still use the image of a shepherd as the image, one of the main images of a pastor and their congregation, the shepherd and, and the flock. And it's not a bad metaphor. Now, growing up, you know, I, I, thought that, I thought that was really a sweet thing that Jesus was saying when Jesus referred to us as his sheep. Because the, the only sheep I knew, I grew up in the city. I would see sheep once a year at the state fair. We, we'd go down to the state fairgrounds and we, we'd walk around and see all the livestock and check them out. And, you know, the sheep looked cute and fluffy and I had seen pictures of lambs and they looked cute and fluffy too. But then as I grew, got grown and began studying the scriptures more and, and reading a little bit, I found out that Jesus may not have been entirely complimentary when he referred to us as sheep. See, most of what I've read about sheep says that they're not the smartest creatures in the world. They're a little stubborn. They don't always pay attention real well. They get sidetracked. There was a story told of a farmer who rescued a lost sheep. When he was asked how the sheep got lost, the farmer replied, they just nibble themselves lost. They go from one tuft of grass to, the, to another until at last they've lost their way. It's what happens in life, isn't it? 
we nibble ourselves lost sometimes. We just go from one thing to the next, drifting around, and, and suddenly you look up and it's like, oh, how did I get here? And why am I here? So Jesus, in some ways, may not have been entirely complimentary of us when he referred to us as his sheep. He may have been, he, he notes in some passages where he sees the crowds, that the crowds are like sheep without a shepherd. They are disorganized. They are harassed. They are suffering. They are not doing well on their own. We need God. We need our shepherd. Our shepherd helps us to know where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do. I finally, after reading stories about this passage for years, finally found a story that was positive about sheep. Uh, in her book, The Preaching Life, Barbara Brown Taylor tells of a conversation she had with a friend who grew up on a sheep farm in the Midwest. According to him, sheep are not dumb at all. He said it's the cattle ranchers who are responsible for spreading that ugly rumor, and all because sheep do not behave like cows. Cows are herded from the rear by hooting cowboys with cracking whips, but that will not work with sheep at all. Stand behind them making loud noises, and all they will do is run around behind you, because they prefer to be led. You push cows, her friend said, but you lead sheep. And they will not go anywhere that someone else does not go first, namely their shepherd, who goes ahead of them to show them that everything is all right. Sheep know their shepherd. And it matters who the shepherd is. They're not going to follow just anybody. Her friend went on to say that it never ceased to amaze him growing up, that he could walk right through a sleeping flock without disturbing a single one of them, while a stranger could not set, step foot in the fold without causing pandemonium. The sheep know their shepherd. We need the voice of God. We need to hear the voice of God. And we need to, to be aware of God's presence with us every day of our lives. You know, it, it's, you know when we're young, we have, we've got parents and grandparents who, who tell us where to go and how to live and what to do. If we're lucky, we've had good examples of that. And some of us weren't so fortunate. Mother's Day can be a really complicated day because there are those who desperately wanted to be mothers and aren't. There are those who maybe had women who gave birth to them but who weren't much of a mother. It can be a hard day when you didn't have a good example, but I hope that if your birth mother was not a good example for you, that you found women in your life who were able to shepherd you, who showed you where to go and what to do. I have dear, dear friends, one of whom I, I y'all know, I, I went to her funeral earlier this year, who was a woman who shepherded me through college and into seminary. She showed me the shepherd's love. And she helped to guide me where to go and how to listen for God's voice. Because we can get, as sheep, we can get so busy nibbling the grass, we have no idea what the shepherd's saying to us. 
We're not paying attention. We're busy people after all. We've got things to go, things to do, places to go, people to see. Who has time to listen? But how do we thrive if we don't listen? How do we know where the good grass is? How do we know where the flowing streams are if we never take time to listen to the shepherd? Summer is coming. Some days in Mississippi, it feels like summer's already here. But technically, the calendar says we've got about six weeks to go before that actually happens. And sometimes in the summer, it becomes easy to say, well, you know, we, there, there are trips to go on. There's stuff to do. We want to go see family. We want to go see our friends. The weather's so nice. We want to be outdoors. We don't want to be cooped up on a Sunday morning. But friends, if you're not ever in a spot to hear the shepherd's voice, what are you going to do when you wake up one day and you realize, wait a minute, I've wandered off. You know, we don't always get lost on purpose. We talked about that with the, the parable of the prodigal son. Some of us tell God, thank you, but no thank you. I'm going to go do my own thing. And we wander lost for a while. Others of us, like the sheep in the story that I told, nibble ourselves lost. We don't mean to get lost. We thought we stayed home. But we did our own thing. And we were kind of paying attention, but we kind of weren't. And we suddenly realized one day, we don't really know where we are or what we've done. And we're not real sure that we've heard the voice of the shepherd in quite some time. We're every bit as lost as the one who got lost on purpose. We just didn't realize we had gotten, we were getting lost. We need to listen for the shepherd. So how do we listen for the shepherd? Well, part of listening for, to the shepherd is, is coming and being here on Sunday mornings. Being with other believers. Singing the old songs. Hearing the old stories. And hopefully hearing something once in a while useful coming from the pulpit. But we also hear the shepherd's voice when we gather around the table. Communion is one of the most important things we do as Christians. Wesley, John Wesley called it a means of grace. And by that, John Wesley meant means of grace were our places where we are most likely to encounter God. Now, I'm not saying that it is impossible to encounter God on a golf course or at a football game or wherever else you might be on Sunday morning, but you're more likely to encounter God at the means of grace. And communion to me is one of the most important means of grace because it's one of the times in the church where we reenact what it means to be the kingdom of God. When we come to the table, we come as we are. Men and women, old and young, rich and poor, black and white, however you want to split up our population, we come together at the Lord's table. There's not two separate loaves of bread, one for the older folks and one for the young folks. I don't say, okay, we're going to feed the men first, and ladies, you're going to have to wait. 
to receive communion because we're going to feed the men first. And likewise, I don't invite the ladies to come down first and say, well, gentlemen, you're just going to have to wait your turn. We all come together. We don't check tax returns at the rail and say, oh, well, okay, uh, only those people who are well off can come to this feeding. Th those of you who are poor, you, you need to wait. That kind of stuff went on in the Corinthian church. They weren't checking tax returns, so to speak. But what was happening at the church in Corinth, Paul writes about this, and choose them out for the way they do communion. In those days, it was a big meal. It was, in some sense, more along the lines of what we saw last Sunday with our homecoming service and the big potluck dinner. It was that kind of a thing. It was a full-fledged meal when they took the Lord's Supper. But what was happening in Corinth was the wealthy people didn't have to work. They had servants for that. So they'd come early and they'd get the best food and they'd drink up all the wine. And they'd have themselves a, a right old party. And Paul said, when the people who had to work for a living, when the slaves and the poor got there, there was nothing to eat and nothing to drink. He said, friends, this should not be. That's not how you celebrate communion. That's not how you honor the Lord. Communion is a place where everybody comes to the table. Where all of us share one bread and we drink one cup. And in that brief moment, we are together as one. It is a little foretaste of the kingdom of God right here on earth. And it is one of the places where we can hear the shepherd's voice, where we can stop for a few minutes and quit the busyness and just be still and listen for God's voice. That is most of all what we need is that stillness. God spoke to the prophet Elijah, promised the prophet Elijah that he would be there and would show himself to Elijah. And Elijah heard a sound like a rushing wind, but God wasn't in the wind. Instead, he hears a small, small voice, barely a whisper, and he realizes that's the voice of God. God is not generally in the habit of beating us over the head when he wants our attention. Now, sometimes he does. I'll, I'll admit, I, I have been the recipient of, of a few divine baseball bats that uh, you know, got my attention in a big hurry. But most of the time, God speaks to us in our circumstances and in the stillness. And we need that stillness. We need the quietness. Once in a while... We need to calm ourselves down and slow down and be still and still that running narration in our heads and listen for God's voice. Because God wants to lead us. God wants a relationship with us. We, however, are not always willing to be led. We are independent creatures. We have been brought up to do it ourselves and to do it our way. 
And when we do that, we miss out on what God wants for us. So I would encourage you this morning to look to your shepherd. If you haven't heard God's voice in a while, find yourself a place where you can get quiet, where you can get still. Maybe not physically still. For some people, it's easier if they're out walking in nature. But still your heart. Still that voice in your head that tells you all the things that you really ought to be doing instead of spending time with God. And listen for that voice. Listen for the voice of your shepherd. Because your shepherd loves you. Your shepherd wants to spend time with you. Your shepherd wants his sheep to follow where he leads. May we be good sheep. And listen to the shepherd. And follow his voice where he leads. Amen. Amen.